0: Hey, Cremaholics, it's Kinsey, and I am finally back this week from vacation. And before I go any further, I just wanted to say thank you to Holly for keeping things going for you listeners while I was away, spending some much-needed time with my family. While I was away, I had shared a post in our Cremaholics podcast discussion group on Facebook. And this post originated from Dee Dee Blanchard's Facebook page in 2015. This ended up prompting a discussion about the story of Gypsy Rose Blanchard. It kind of surprised me that some people had never heard about Gypsy or her story just because it's a very heart-wrenching and captivating story. I decided that I wanted to go ahead and do an episode on Gypsy because I think it's really important to bring awareness to Munchausen by proxy syndrome because it really could save a child or someone who is dependent on another years of torture and abuse. (laughs) Gypsy Rose Blanchard was born on July 27, 1991 to Dee Dee and Rod Blanchard in Chack Bay, Louisiana. At the time of her birth, Dee Dee was 24 years old and her father, Rod, was only 17 and a high school student and they had only been seeing each other for about six months. It has always puzzled me that Dee Dee was having a sexual relationship with a minor and not anybody said or did anything about it. Instead of looking into why Dee Dee was committing statutory rape, Rod and Dee Dee would end up getting married to each other when she found out about the pregnancy. According to an article by Ranker.com, Rod had stated that he realized about a year into their marriage that he had married way too quickly and decided to file for a divorce from Dee Dee. In a quote from Rod in the Ranker article, he stated, I woke up on my birthday, on my 18th birthday, And I realized I wasn't where I was supposed to be. I wasn't in love with her, really. I knew I got married for the wrong reasons. Being newly 18, married to a 24-year-old, having a child, I can 100% understand where Rod is coming from. At 17, he was being taken advantage of by an older woman. I know there is typically a stigma around statutory rape And when it's a man committing the act on a minor female, it's completely shameful and frowned upon. And it seems that when it's a female committing the act against a minor male, society doesn't seem to think it's as wrong or it's not as frowned upon, which is completely asinine because it's still very wrong. And someone in Rod's life should have stood up for him and his well-being. On the day of Gypsy's birth, her parents wanted to name her Gypsy Rose as they were huge fans of the band Guns N' Roses. According to Ranker, Gypsy's cousin had stated that Gypsy was small at birth due to being slightly premature, but besides that, she was an extremely healthy baby. For a while, the authorities were really unsure of Gypsy's age due to Dee Dee forging records. However, it was later proven that Gypsy was in fact born in 1991 and not 1995. When Gypsy was just 5 years old in 1996 is when Dee, Dee began to claim that Gypsy had all of these ailments. There was an incident where Gypsy did fall off her grandmother's motorcycle, but she had no severe injuries and had just suffered only a scrape on her knee. However, Dee, Dee took this small incident and blew it up into this big thing and had told everybody in Gypsy's life that she had paralysis and was unable to walk. Because of this, Dee Dee ends up forcing Gypsy to use a wheelchair in order to get around. However, according to that same cousin that stated she was just a small baby but healthy, she remembers several times when Gypsy would push them around in her wheelchair and even would be jumping on a trampoline with them. Seems kind of weird if Gypsy can't walk, why would she be jumping on a trampoline? And so this is when the cousin had stated they began questioning Dee Dee's statements about Gypsy not being able to walk. This cousin stated that whenever Dee Dee would see Gypsy up walking around, she would begin to yell and scold her, which made Gypsy scared and she would comply with whatever Dee Dee demanded. It was literally to the point where Gypsy was so scared of Dee Dee that when she would yell at her for not using her wheelchair, Gypsy would literally collapse to the ground as if her legs didn't work and she would crawl back to her wheelchair. Dee Dee would often push the issue that Gypsy had weak muscles and demanded for the doctors to test Gypsy for muscular dystrophy in 2001 at the Tulane University Hospital. According to the Mayo Clinic, muscular dystrophy is a group of diseases that causes progressive weakness and loss of muscle mass. In muscular dystrophy, abnormal genes interfere with the production of proteins needed to form healthy muscles. Despite the result of muscular dystrophy coming back negative, the frickin' doctors ended up treating Gypsy for muscular dystrophy. I just wanna say, I worked in a doctor's office for some time, and not once did any of our patients that have a negative test result get treated for that possible issue that was minor. And these people were treating Gypsy for muscular dystrophy when the test came back negative. Which is extremely baffling to me because muscular dystrophy is a serious issue. Many have speculated it was to get Dee Dee to be quiet and to quit pushing the issue so they didn't have to deal with her. Or even to collect the insurance money for the treatment. After seeing many doctors, there was only one doctor who ever stated that Gypsy did not have muscular dystrophy. And that was Dr. Bernardo Flasterstein. There was zero proof, no medical records or anything ever stating that Gypsy had any type of health ailment. And unfortunately, this would be the beginning of the horrible abuse she suffered at the hands of the woman who gave birth to her. Doctors would end up performing surgeries on Gypsy for supposed weaknesses in her eye muscles, placed a feeding tube in her tummy, Salivary gland removal and teeth extractions she did not ever need. In August of 2005, Gypsy and her mother, Dee Dee, were living in New Orleans, Louisiana. And on August 29, 2005, is when the extremely devastating hurricane Katrina had hit. According to an article posted on History.com, early in the morning on August 29. 2005, Hurricane Katrina had struck the Gulf Coast of the United States. When the storm had made landfall, it had a Category 3 rating, and it brought sustained winds of 100 to 140 miles per hour and stretched about 400,000 miles across. This hurricane caused $100 billion in damages and took over 1,800 lives. Even though this was an extremely sad situation, Dee Dee would end up using this catastrophic event to her full advantage in a very disgusting way. In 2005, after the hurricane had hit, Dee Dee would end up taking Gypsy to a special needs shelter where she showed photos of their badly flooded and destroyed apartment. She stated to a doctor at this shelter that all of Gypsy's medical records had been completely destroyed and they had like absolutely nothing left. According to Ranker.com, this doctor's name was Dr. Jordan. And this doctor had became close to Dee Dee and Gypsy while they were at this shelter, and she had suggested to Dee Dee that her and Gypsy should move to Missouri, where Dee Dee and Gypsy would be able to get excellent medical care. When the two of them had moved to Missouri, they ended up getting a ramp built on the front of their home by Habitat for Humanity, and the media just ate up their story. Dee Dee ended up taking large amounts of cash donations, wheelchair donations, free cars, Disney trips, and other vacations from Make-A-Wish Foundation. You name it, Dee Dee was getting it handed to her. Unfortunately, the more stuff that Dee Dee was receiving from people, the more abuse Gypsy was enduring. According to Ranker in 2007, the only doctor that had ever cast a doubt on Gypsy's illness, Dr. Bernardo Flasterstein, had started heavily voicing his thoughts that Dee may have Munchausen by proxy syndrome. And I'm going to read this bit about Munchausen from WebMD because I want to go into detail about it because it's kind of confusing and a lot of people have actually never heard of what Munchausen's by proxy syndrome is. I am going to read this entire little excerpt here, so bear with me. According to WebMD, Munchausen by proxy is a psychological disorder marked by attention-seeking behavior by a caregiver through those who are in their care. MSP is a relatively rare behavioral disorder. It affects a primary caretaker, often the mother. The person with MSP is gains attention by seeking medical help for exaggerated or made-up symptoms of a child in their care As healthcare providers strive to identify what's causing the child's symptoms the deliberate actions of a parent or caretaker can often make the symptoms worse The person with MSP does not seem to be motivated does not seem to be motivated by a desire for any type of material gain While healthcare providers are often unable to identify the specific cause of the child's illness, they may not suspect the parent or caretaker of doing anything to harm the child. In fact, the caregiver often appears to be very loving and caring and extremely distraught over her child's illness. People with MSP may create or exaggerate a child's symptoms in several ways. They may simply lie about symptoms alter their test, falsify medical records, or they may actually induce symptoms through various means such as poisoning, suffocating, starving, and causing infection. My child and by proxy can actually be kind of hard to detect. And before we go any further, I just wanted to share my experience with my child and by proxy. I learned about this at a very young age. When I was two years old, I became extremely ill and I was vomiting all the time and it was very frequent. And so my birth mother and my grandmother took me to the doctor and they said, we don't know what's happening to her. We don't know how to fix this. We need help. The doctors could not figure out what was wrong. They had no explanation why it was happening. Every treatment they tried didn't work. Things were worsening. And because of that, because they had no answers. All the tests they gave me came back negative. They came to the only conclusion that made sense. They believed that my birth mother had Munchausen by proxy syndrome. This issue of me being ill started when I was two, and it took us until I was eight years old to get a definitive diagnosis on what was wrong with me. At eight years old, I ended up being diagnosed with cyclic vomiting syndrome. But before we got the diagnosis, every doctor that we came across was so convinced that my birth mom had much by proxy because they could not figure out what was happening. No treatment worked and things were just worsening. At that time, it was considered a very rare disorder. But today, they actually know what causes it. There's actually a treatment for it. It's, and my daughter, Adeline, who is five, two years ago, was also diagnosed with sidewalk vomiting syndrome. When she started getting really ill when she was little, I was very worried about going to the doctor and seeking help and explaining what was going on because I was scared to death that they were also going to accuse me of having Munchausen by proxy. Thankfully, over the years, so much research has been done. And before I could even finish explaining what my daughter was going through, her amazing pediatrician said, I think your daughter has cyclic vomiting syndrome. However, there really is many people out there who do have Munchausen by proxy, and that is why Gypsy Rose Blanchard suffered so badly throughout her life. Since Dr. Bernardo Flasterstein had, in fact, been suspicious of Dee having MSP, he had stated in some of his notes, there is a strong possibility of Munchausen by proxy with maybe some underlying unknown etiology to explain her symptoms. Other doctors that had treated Gypsy either failed to catch Dee Dee's lies or suspected her of having MSP but never once documented in their notes that that was a possibility that they thought, which allowed Dee Dee to doctor hop and get away with this abuse. Most of the doctors, in fact, were in love with Dee, Dee and Gypsy. They were just, like, captivated by their bond and how charming Dee, Dee was. It wasn't until 2009 that someone ends up calling Child Services on Dee, Dee and an anonymous caller calls in and reported that they did not believe that Gypsy was as sick as Dee, Dee said she was. Child Services did end up opening an investigation and went to the home and asked for proof of medical records. There end up being several inconsistencies in these records in which they did question. Dee Dee ends up telling the CPS worker it was due to trying to hide from her ex-husband who she was fearful of, which I'm not really sure how that would create inconsistencies in medical records, but the CPS worker bought that bullcrap lie. So not only did CPS buy this stupid lie, the CPS worker ends up finding a social security card that stated that Gypsy was 18 and not 14 like Dee Dee had claimed. All that ends up coming of this investigation was that the CPS worker wrote in the report that Gypsy was mentally handicapped and needed to remain in the care of her mother. So per usual, another person was failed by CPS. One year after CPS had visited the home, Gypsy ends up finding an old medical card that had her real birth date on it and it stated that she was actually born in 1991 and not 1995 like Dee Dee had always claimed. Gypsy had discovered that she was actually legally an adult. Gypsy was 19 at the time and not 15 like she had thought. Even though Gypsy had discovered that her mother had been lying to her and that she was actually legally an adult, it ends up taking Gypsy an entire year to find the courage to leave her mother. According to Ranker, in 2011, Gypsy ends up meeting an unnamed man at a sci-fi convention and Gypsy would return home after meeting this man and began to use Dee Dee's computer to make a fake Facebook account and use it to talk to this man at night while Dee Dee slept. It was stated in Rancor by Gypsy that Dee Dee often took heavy doses of sleeping medication at night, so it wasn't like an unusual thing for Gypsy to be able to sneak out of bed at night and use the computer. After Gypsy and this man form a relationship, she ends up taking a taxi to a hotel to meet this man, and for whatever reason that one night, when Gypsy finally gets the courage to leave, Dee, Dee happens to wake up in the middle of the night and discover that Gypsy was gone and ends up finding the messages between the two of them. Dee, Dee ends up showing up at the hotel and brings along the paperwork stating that Gypsy is only 15 despite her really being 16. The man ends up telling Gypsy she had to leave with her mom because she was just a minor. In the HBO documentary, Mommy Dead and Dearest, Gypsy states that when they got back to the home in complete rage, Dee, Dee ends up smashing the computer with a hammer and tells Gypsy, If you ever try to do that again, I will smash your fingers with a hammer. Didi is psychotic and no wonder Gypsy was so scared of her. Even though Gypsy did this, Didi would end up buying another computer because Didi heavily relied on Facebook to share their story to receive free stuff from people. So Gypsy would end up again getting out of bed at night and using the computer without permission. Even though Gypsy is slightly more immature due to the trauma and abuse she faced, let's not forget that Gypsy is still a 19-year-old girl with raging hormones and is of course going to be curious about boys and sex and other things of that nature. According to Ranker, between 2011 and 2013, Gypsy was still using the computer and eventually sparks an online relationship with a man named Nicholas Godijohn. Prior to this online relationship, Nicholas had been arrested in Wisconsin for masturbating while watching porn in a McDonald's bathroom. The two ended up meeting on a Christian dating site in 2013 and quickly spark up an online sexual relationship. Nicholas John ends up being really big into BDSM. And for those of you who don't know what BDSM is, it stands for Bondage and Discipline, Dominance and Submission, and Sadism, and Masochism. Y'all, I just want to share that it took me like nine recordings to try and say Masochism. <laughs> According to Everyday Health, it is a very common thing and 33.9% of people have stated that at some point in their life they have practiced BDSM. Nicholas was able to get Gypsy to participate in this lifestyle as much as she could over the internet. Nicholas claimed to have multiple personalities and Gypsy ends up creating a romantic and intimate persona to replace each one for each personality. So, for example, she had this one persona, and her name was Kitty, who was a young girl. And she had another persona by the name of Candy, who was more of a promiscuous persona. It was also reported that Nicholas also was on the autism spectrum. After two years of having this very heavily online sexual relationship, Gypsy and Nicholas decided that they wanted to take their relationship to the next level and meet each other in person. In early 2015, Gypsy and Dee Dee attended the new Cinderella movie in their town of Springfield, Missouri and Gypsy had Nicholas meet her there and pretend that they didn't know each other so Dee Dee wouldn't be upset with her that Gypsy had went behind her back again. Dee had like this really weird obsession with dressing Gypsy in little kids costumes and I know that has to do with just trying to convince people that Gypsy is a lot more mentally younger than she really is. So Dee Dee had ended up dressing Gypsy in a Cinderella costume to go watch the movie. While Dee Dee and Gypsy were watching the movie, Nicholas waited in the lobby for Gypsy and her mom to come out. However, during the movie, Gypsy was given permission to go to the restroom alone which is really unusual because Didi was always with Gypsy. When Gypsy goes to the restroom, she ends up bringing Nicholas with her, and the two did in fact end up having sexual intercourse for the first time. According to Ranker, Didi ends up finding Gypsy in the bathroom with Nicholas after she didn't return right away, and she was outraged. She told Gypsy that she would never see or speak to Nicholas ever again. After Dee Dee tells Gypsy that she's no longer allowed to see Nicholas, Gypsy felt she only had two ways to be able to see her boyfriend, and the first one was becoming pregnant with his baby, and the second was killing Dee Dee. Gypsy felt the baby would make Dee Dee accept Nicholas as part of their lives, but he completely refused to get her pregnant. Shortly after, the two decided to make plans to take Dee Dee's life. Yeah, maybe the two of them didn't really, like, need a baby, but it seems like a better alternative than taking somebody's life. Gypsy ends up stealing hundreds of dollars from Dee Dee to pay for a way to Nicholas to get to Springfield from Wisconsin. She also ends up providing him with a knife and gloves to kill Dee Dee, and she had sent those in the mail to Nicholas prior to him coming to Springfield. Gypsy ends up hiding in the bathroom with her hands over her ears while Nicholas ends up stabbing Dee Dee with the knife on June 10, 2015. Gypsy has quoted, You think that hearing a killing is like what you hear on a horror film or something, but it's really not. You can stand watching a horror film, but hearing somebody actually being killed is terrifying. It creates this nauseous feeling in your stomach And all you can think about is how afraid you are. Four days after Gypsy and Nicholas took off to his home in Wisconsin after killing Dee Dee, for whatever reason, the two decided to post on Dee Dee's Facebook, this bitch is dead. And that is the post that I shared in our Crimeholics podcast discussion group on Facebook. This post ended up prompting friends of Gypsy and Dee Dee to call the police and when they went to check on Dee Dee is when they found her deceased and Gypsy was gone. People originally thought that whoever kidnapped Gypsy must have killed Dee, Dee. The police would end up tracing that IP address back to Nicholas's home in Wisconsin. When they got there, Nicholas did not put up a fight and he admitted to what he did, and he and Gypsy both were taken into custody. Friends and family of Dee, Dee and Gypsy were, like, completely shocked when they saw Gypsy walking out in handcuffs out of the home on the news. As far as everybody else knew, Gypsy was paralyzed and she wasn't able to walk. One year later, on July 16, 2016, despite the severe abuse from Dee Dee, Gypsy was sentenced to 10 years in prison and will be eligible for parole in 2023 when she is 32 years old. In November of 2018, Nicholas Godejohn was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for the murder of Dee Dee Blanchard. I've been asked my opinion on whether I thought that Gypsy should have gone to prison, and the answer to that is no. I do not think that victims of serious crimes who are defending themselves should be going to prison. However, I do think that Gypsy should have been sent to some type of treatment facility for some time to be able to work through her abuse and her trauma and be able to learn how to function as a normal adult in society. I do not think that our justice system should be putting victims of serious crimes in prison for defending themselves. They should go to a treatment facility and work through that trauma. Another case that you guys are probably familiar with is the Cyntoia Brown case. Cyntoia Brown was trafficked as a young girl, and the guy who was trafficking her sent her to a client to be raped because that's what was happening. Cyntoia was being raped. And while there, Cyntoia ends up shooting the man that was going to rape her, and she shot him in self-defense. And our justice system sentenced a rape victim to prison. Santoya has been recently released from prison, thank God, by the help of society and major celebrities that were calling for her release. Our justice system put Gypsy Rose Blanchard in prison as a victim of a serious crime. Maybe that's a very unpopular opinion, but victims of crime should not be sentenced to prison. They should be sent to a treatment facility to work through abuse. We will have a thread for this episode in our Crimeholics podcast discussion group on Facebook, so be sure to join that so that way you can share your opinion. Even if you disagree with me, that's okay. Whatever your opinion is, share it because we want to hear it because it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Crimeholics, as always, be aware and take care.